Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Home Record Podcast. I am the Golden Greek, Alex Arion, and I am joined by my wife, who's glaring at me right now and giving me a dirty look, but she's still amazing, gorgeous, beautiful, and I love her very much. Hi, Monique. How are you this week? You know, that's right. Yep. I'm okay. Yeah, what's your problem? You. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when he pisses me off seconds before we start. Yeah, well, you know, uh, what are you going to do? But he's got me laughing uh, seconds uh, later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's how yeah. we roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm good. How are you? Yeah. I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> You're so much more happier now. <laughs> I'm always great and fantastic. You know this. This is true. Yeah. So, how are you doing this week? I cannot complain. I will say that. I'm pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. You sure? I think so. Yeah. Do you know something I don't? Well, you were pretty you were pretty irritated right before I hit that record yeah, button. You, you do that to me sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you do that to me all the time. So, there. That hurts. <laughs> Here you are airing out our dirty laundry for all to uh, hear. Well, come on. It's the Home Record Podcast. Alrighty then. How boring would it be if we got along all the time? For the most part, we do. Yeah. Except for when you piss me off. Well, you pissed me off. Well, you pissed me off too. Jeez. So I guess we're even. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. Truce. Okay. Truce. All right. All right. So Yay. anyhow, let's let's move on. <laughs> okay. So. Anything new and exciting in the world of my beautiful trophy wife? There was a headline a month ago. I don't know if you saw it, but it said, U.S. House of Representatives investigating the government. I can't even talk. (laughs) Try try it again. I'm not editing this either. I'm leaving this right in. You're laughing and everything. I'm leaving it all right in. (laughs) Hooked on phonics do not work for me. No, it did not. All right. U.S. House of Representatives investigating if the government created Lyme disease as a bioweapon. Yeah. We, I think you mentioned this to me. Yeah. As one who is afflicted by Lyme disease. You're afflicted with Lyme disease? Yes. As affected one, by Lyme disease? I have Lyme disease. Infected with Lyme disease? I have a disease. You have a disease for which there is no cure. Oh, technically antibiotics, but that's yeah, not right. how I treated mine. Yeah. You yeah. can you can use natural herbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I'm not talking about the the certain kind that they're trying to legalize everywhere. But no, certain herbs can help you. Yeah. And I'm reading this and then I, I did a little digging and I saw other articles from over a decade ago where people talked about the government created Lyme disease as a bioweapon. Yeah. That's fucked up. I, I, this is news to you? Like the, this whole thing was news to you? Yeah, I guess I'm a little late on, on the party. I, I did not realize Lyme, Lyme disease, disease started. Was it, was like, it was like in the 40s or the 50s that it like started. It was, where the hell was it? It was, uh, mm, I'm blanking on the name. It was off the coast of New York. I can't remember. I think it was Plum Island, I believe, mm-hmm. is where it was rumored to have originated. There was like a lab or something on Plum Island uh, off the course of New- course off the coast of New York. Well, the article here says uh, it went on from 1949 to 1969, where they yeah, there you go. ran trials yeah. 
Germ Warfare Testing Program. Yeah. Seriously, come yeah. on. Well, again, 1949. So what happened? What happened in the, in the mid 40s? Well, what happened in the 40s it was World War II. We won, right? The Allied powers won. We beat the Nazis. However, with Operation Paperclip, we got a bunch of their, their scientists, their top scientists, and we brought them over here. And, and you're we, right. Sorry. It, it's Plum Island. Is it Plum Island? Yes. Okay, I was right. Okay. Turn ticks and insects into bioweapons. Yeah. So it included Fort Detrick, Maryland, and Plum Island, New York. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. I, I, I heard about this years ago. It's many, many years ago. Yeah. I mean... Again, the government messing with its own people. What what else is new? It's not surprising. It's just really disappointing because when you think about what Lyme disease, it varies so much on how it can affect somebody. Some people are just so debilitated they can't get out of bed. Yeah. And it actually can mess with your neurological issues so that was happening to me with my brain i I was having issues fortunately i was able to what kind of issues it's with the nerves it's like your the signals aren't properly being sent from your brain and your nerves to your body so i would have issues with pins and needles like for no reason at all pins and needles where like different parts like in my arms or legs different parts of my body or you get the feeling like like insects are crawling all over you and that was actually stemming from the brain and from what i had read it it, it can be very debilitating and, and you can have even worse problems down the road yeah a buddy of mine's dad has lyme and he he has he'll he'll go like a month and a half where he just can't even get out of bed because yeah. he's so tired and his body just hurts so much I mean, I, mean, I think he has to like, he needs help to get out of bed yeah. to go use the restroom and to bathe and stuff like that. Like that sucks. When I was probably at my worst with it, you, I know you remember that the pain I was in and it, it takes a lot to knock me down and that at times would knock me down. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that you find out that your government was the one who created and released it upon its own people. Well, it's the same government that puts fluoride in the drinking water. Yeah. I mean, come on. And, and, and so puts out the propaganda saying that that's good for yeah. you because it's going to help your teeth. It's so it fucking sad. break, you know? Yeah. It's, it's pretty terrible, but again, it's, it's, it is what it is. And, and when we say stuff like the government did it and, and the, this stuff comes out, it's not the person that's, sitting in 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 the white house at whatever time it's not like it comes off comes out of their brain and they say hey go and create this and release it on the people it's not that it's people that work in the government that have probably been there for years and years it's a bureaucrats and people that have been there forever people that are you know, ha- they're vested in their position they're not they're not elected officials the elected officials all they are they're just figureheads they're nothing yeah. they do nothing they have no control over anything. All they do is they go and they uh, they go on TV nowadays, and then they spout off what they think that their constituents want to hear, and that's it. They don't do anything of, of substance or meaning. They don't know all the crap that no, goes and on. And this started back in the forties. Yeah, so the people back, in office today. Yeah, this you know, was back in, in the, office then. Right, right. And, but it and, continues, and I'm yeah, sure it continues of course, today. Of course, because you have scientists again back in the forties. I guarantee it was some former Nazi that came up with this this whole thing. And it was probably their idea to release it onto the population because they used to do that crap in Germany. 
they did they did all their testing on the people in the concentration camps i'm so curious like how do you apply for that job like do they put a post in the want ad do you want to hurt people are you interested in science and creating ways to destruct mankind if so contact the u.s government yeah right like how yeah. do you apply for that kind of job I don't, I don't know i i'm sure that's one of those deals that i don't know i who who knows it's probably one of those things where they they find some young impressionable kid who is really really good at science and has shown a lot of promise with biology and they make him some kind of an offer and a lot of, I, I bet you a lot of the people that work on this stuff the government and all that kind of stuff so compartmentalized i'm sure a lot of people don't even realize they're working on something that's being manufactured and 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 concocted to cause harm and hurt you know it, it's like people when they you know in in the in the assembly plants for cars people that, that make the doors they make the doors they don't know how to make the engine they know how to make the door they know how to put in the button for the power windows they don't I, i'm sure that that's that's the the evil behind this whole thing is that there are a few people who have the agenda who have the the plan to do this stuff for whatever reason. And it's not a freaking conspiracy. So everybody shut up right now. Anybody who's going, Oh, what a conspiracy theory. It's come out. No, and, it's and it's have been admitted. documented yes. fact. It's admitted. You can find the information before. And I'd, I'd recommend finding it and downloading it and saving it on your computer. Cause before they're it scrubbing it all. They are. Yeah. But this is all, it's all documented fact, but that's the evilness. Like I was saying behind it all, there's a few people, a small group of people that, come up with these things and then they they charge all their underlings to implement them to have them come to fruition but again you're just getting a small piece of what the the bigger picture is when you're working on stuff like this i've heard interviews people that used to work at the 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 famous area 51 I've heard stories, interviews with people that worked at Area 51 that didn't see a damn thing, worked there for 15 years, never saw anything because they would get into a van or a plane. I think there they had, they called them the Janus flights, and they would get onto a plane. Wouldn't they like get the on windows a bus were or blacked something? out? Yeah. They'd land, they'd get ushered onto a bus with blacked out windows, they'd get driven into the facility, they'd get let out wherever their office was, they'd go in their office, they'd go to their break room for their lunch and their 15-minute breaks, they'd get back on the bus, they'd get back on the plane and get sent home. They never saw anything, but they were in this top-secret facility. How do you think stuff stays top-secret? Because they don't let the people working there know everything that's going on. Obviously, human nature, people are going to want to talk and let, you know... That's just how people are. So how do you keep a secret? Well, you don't let people see anything. That's the thing with people that were doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, there were the people that were evil and masterminds and whatnot. But I'm sure the scientist that was coming up with this didn't realize, oh, we're going to let this out into the people. We're going to put this in ticks, but we're going to actually let them loose. The worst like, part is like I'm when sure you think that about wasn't what the it case. does, it's so slow. And it's like, yeah. ow, my arm hurts. Now my leg hurts. It's like random parts of your body hurt. And it's just so slow over time. Like it's, yeah. it's like the really annoying disease. We're, we're just going to annoy the crap out of people with pain. And yeah. And I, I wonder if the reason why so many doctors don't want to acknowledge it, because when you go to doctors, nobody says, oh, you probably have Lyme disease, especially living in New England. You, I, probably everyone has it and doesn't know it. But they all just, they ignore it. And it, you have to almost, you have to go to naturopaths for them to be like, yeah, you have Lyme disease. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand that whole thing. That's not, that's not something I'm, I'm 
ready to talk about because okay so we'll we'll table this for another day yeah we'll talk about this some other time i'm not i don't want to go off on the healthcare system and doctors and all that stuff forget about it Jeez, as I as I knock over my microphone. Anyhow, you bring up th- this actually. It's it's good that you said you know what kind of job is that and whatever because we talked about how we both have had some pretty fun, interesting jobs, some not so fun. And I thought, hey, why don't we talk about that this week? And I've had a lot of jobs. You you've had a ton of jobs. Well, I've had yeah. I've had my fair share too. But you have had how many jobs was it before? I think it was like. Fourteen. Yeah. So either you're a really, really horrible employee. No. Or you I just started working when I was seven. Child labor. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Child labor laws were not enforced, I guess. Well, no. As y'all know, my parents owned a video store. Y'all. <laughs> As y'all know. It's easier to say it like that. My parents owned a video store and I got to work there, which was the coolest thing ever. And I would go. Is that really a job? I mean, oh, come on. Is it that the best job? Is that ever. really a job? That would be like a, a pl- And it ties into a future job that I had too. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Go, go ahead. Tell, tell us about it. When I was about seven, I started working at my parents' video store. I got paid $2 an hour, which for a seven year old is pretty damn good in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. That's not bad. So I would pretty much watch movies all day, but. I've mentioned it in previous episodes. We had a tag filing system. So the movies were in these kind of bins that you could move back and forth along the wall. So you could check the front and the back of it. And it was a tag system. So each movie had a numbered tag. So you'd take the tag and you'd bring it to the counter and we'd take the movie from behind the counter. So I would put the tags away and I could work the computer. I would take the movies and put them in the box for the case for people We had a photocopy machine, so we had a little counter that when someone got photocopies, it would tell us how many they made. And I remember once in a while, people would be like, oh, I had five copies made. And I'd look, I'd be like, oh, the counter says that you had 20. And they say, no, you're mistaken. You you must have counted wrong. And I'm like, I know how to read. It says it right here. And then I'd go get my mom, and they'd be like, oh, my mistake. I, I did make 20. People are such jerks. They are. Trying to take advantage of a yeah. seven-year-old. My gosh. Yeah. Wow. It, it was really cool. And then they started doing photo developing. So I got to learn how to develop photos. So we had this. It was like a black box. And you put your hands in because you couldn't have light. So that's how you'd like crack the film out mm-hmm. from the case. Yeah. It was really cool. So you developed the pictures and everything? I'd help my mom and dad, yeah. So oh, wow. I would help. My mom would sit at the machine because there was a lot of different adjusting. So when you take a picture, when you use those machines, you can, you can like you go places now, it's all automatic. Yeah. And it's not looking for the best quality of the picture. It's just whatever's there is there. My mom would sit and the way the machine was set up, like you could fix it so the colors would contrast better. So you'd get the best picture possible. And she would sit there for every single picture on every single negative to do that. So people got the best pictures. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So I had work instilled with inside of me upon an early age. So you learned, you, you got, you got to see what work was. Yeah. I, I, I I did work. I didn't just, I mean, I got to sit there a lot and watch movies, but I did do work and it was fun and it was cool. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. What what else did you do? Was that your first job, would you say? That that was <laughs> my <seven>? first <laughs> job. And I also, while I was doing that, I got to do a commercial and some ads for a local newspaper. Oh, yeah? Yeah. There's, uh, we grew up in Lowell in Drake, Massachusetts. And there was a newspaper still out there, the Lowell Sun. Mm-hmm. And my dad knew somebody there, and they were shooting a commercial. It aired on public television. <laughs> and oh, like public access? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, public okay. access. Sorry. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I got to do that commercial. And then they did some kind of ads for something, and I was like the child model. It was fun. And I just remember I had like, my mom would ha- get my hair permed. Why? I don't know, but she did. <laughs> and everyone would say how I looked like Annie. Annie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah, we'll have to find those pictures and we'll post them. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, awesome. did you did you have like speaking lines, or were you just like how oh, well yeah. was like I background totally characters? I totally remember it all. Really? I re- yeah, I remember the whole thing. I remember my lines. Okay. Wait, you want me to go through it? Well, no, I'm asking <laughs> just for the hell of it. Hey, do you remember? Do you remember? Any, did you have any speaking lines? I I did. Oh, it, it's about oh, a brother. Good, good and, for you. It's about a brother and sister. <laughs> brother has the paper route. So my character, little sister. You had, didn't have a name? I don't I don't know. Did you get a script or did yeah. somebody just tell you your lines? Like, it was a script and like they'd go over it with me. Yeah. It was really easy. How long just, did it take for you to memorize your lines? It was, I don't know. It didn't take that long. Okay. I'm just curious. I've, yeah, ne- I've never did done. a commercial, like, I'm asking. I show up and they're like, okay, this is what you're going to do. Here you go. All right. It was uh, easy. But I right. walk in, I'm like, what you doing? And the brother's like, I'm working on my paper route. So I was like, can I help you work on your paper route? And he's like, mm, okay, but we'll split the profits 60 40. And then I go, no, 50-50. And what you can't see is I'm using my thumb to point at me and then my index finger to point at him while I do that. And then it's like us walking around and he has his, he's walking his bike, I think, and I'm walking next to him and he's like throwing the newspaper out and I'm helping him. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yes. And you got paid for this? I think maybe my, I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we got some free newspapers. Do you know who was the kid? The I don't your br- the brother. You I don't, don't know. know. Uh, so some dude, some kid dude. So okay, so it's not like you kept in touch or anything. No. Okay. No. I'm just curious. Yeah. It was just you two in the commercial. That's it. Yeah. Where there did no you, parents around? I guess we were latchkey kids. Where did you where did <laughs> where did you guys film? I think it was somebody's house in Lowell. Just somebody's random. It wasn't like a like a set or anything no, like that. No, it was a legit like, somebody's like just house. Outside and somebody's house and whatever. Yeah, inside and outside, and huh. they they like were we were just walking down the street, and it was really cool. All right. Yeah, nice. it was fun. Yeah, I, I'm genuinely I was genuinely interested. That's why I'm asking the question. I never I didn't film a commercial or do anything like that. Not I, not everyone could be a star like oh me. Oh boy, here we go. Here <laughs> we go. Here we go. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Definitely interesting. What yeah. what other kind of stuff you done? I babysat. Isn't that like, that's every kid. Pretty much. The best part, I I would babysit my little cousins. And I I don't like to stay up late. It's hard for me to stay up late. I've always been like that. And I would just fall asleep. Like once the kids were asleep, I'd be watching TV. I'd try to stay awake. And I just remember I'd hear the door wake up and try to look like I didn't fall asleep. Oh, wow. And you got paid for this too, right? I got paid, yeah. So I guess, yeah, that's... 
it's, it's weird. Like I, I almost wouldn't count that as a job, but I guess you're getting paid, so I it's a job. Paid, yeah. So, yeah, and especially where it's relatives and stuff. I feel like every kid, or most every kid, especially females, it seems always do the babysitting thing. I remember doing that. My cousins, they always wanted to eat macaroni with cheese with hot dogs. So I cooked the craft mac and cheese and then like cut up hot dogs and yeah. put it in. I got so sick of that. I just, just looking at it made me want to puke after so long. Because it's all they would eat and yeah. you have to make it for them. Yeah. yeah. I, I get that. I yeah, understand it was, that. It was gross. How about you? What, what about some early jobs? The earliest job I can remember, I don't know if you count this as a job, but I, I, get, but I got paid for it. So I guess if you define a job by doing a service or something and getting money in return, I think that's what a job I, is. Yeah, but again, this like the earliest work I can remember doing was just housework around my house, helping my mother with housework. Like chores. Like yeah, chores. But I'd get not an allowance, but I for a while, for a while I was getting money for doing stuff. Like so an allowance. It wasn't an allowance because an allowance is like a weekly thing, isn't but it? Usually but your allowance is because you do things you're supposed to do. You do this I, work around the house and you're given an allowance. That's how it was at my house. All right, I never counted I, that. I guess. All right. So then I guess it doesn't count. But all right. If we're going to go by the first work I ever did that was not in my house, was I probably mowed my, my neighbor's lawn. That was probably, I don't know, 10. And then when... Oh boy, I'm trying to remember how old I was. I must have been nine or ten when my parents bought a restaurant, and it was it was like a breakfast kind of place. They did breakfast, lunch for a while. They tried doing dinner, but that ended up only lasting temporarily because it was just way too many hours for my dad to work. And I started doing like busboy kind of stuff. You know, you go clear the tables after people leave, and then I graduated to dishwasher which was what a huge step up. And then as I got a little bit older, probably 13, 14, I got moved over to the kitchen, like the, the grill, like my dad was the grill man. So he made all the food and everything, but it was a breakfast place. So pretty much everybody's getting toast or something like that with their food, toast, English muffin, whatever. So my dad always had, I remember it was my, one of my cousins was always the, the, the bread guy who would butter the toast and cut it in half and read the orders to my dad and my dad would make whatever, you know. I'm sure everybody knows how a kitchen works nowadays, especially since there's so many kitchen cooking shows on True, TV and whatever. Yeah. But I eventually graduated to and got promoted to that position where I would work the grill with my dad. And my dad... That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool, I guess. It was it was very high pressure though. It oh, was I would ve- think because you have because to move you have fast. to be you have to move quick and working in you a can't restaurant. Can't mess up. Yeah, and in certain things you can't overcook it, you can't undercook it, and then you're trying to time everything so it's ready at the same time. Yeah, so it was it was it was a bit of a uh, it was a bit of a learning process, obviously, like anything else. This it was it was tough, not tough, but it was a process just getting that routine down knowing okay oh order up so you'd have to get the slip from the waitress put it up on the little i don't know what you call it but the thing the thing (laughs) put up on the thing that holds your slips and i'd read out to my dad who couldn't turn around to read everything he had to 
be on the grill, you know, flipping the eggs, flipping the sausage, bacon, whatever he was making, pancakes, whatever it was, and tell him, okay, this order is a cheese omelet. This order is a ham and cheese omelet. This is French toast, whatever, you know? Yeah. And so I'd have to call that out to him and then get the breads ready if there was toast that needed to be done. If they were, they would get like a uh, bowl of baked beans or something like that. You'd have to take it, put it in the microwave for a certain amount of time to heat it up, because you know whatever. It's it's a it's a greasy spoon essentially is is uh, the kind of restaurant that it was, but it was really good. I I used to eat so much food when I was when I worked there. Oh my god, I ate so many eggs and so much toast and sausage and bacon. Still to this day, my favorite food is breakfast food. I love I breakfast love food. Breakfast food. I, if I could, if I could just eat breakfast food all day, that's what I would do. I like, I love breakfast food. I do too. Now, now I want to eat breakfast. <laughs> right. It's the afternoon, but I want to yeah, eat breakfast. Whatever. You, you can't go wrong with a cheese omelet, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I that was that was probably the, I guess the first real the, the first time I felt like I was really working hard and earning my money. Yeah. And I ended up getting pretty good at it. And my dad would teach me how to make other stuff on the grill. And I remember when I was 15 and a half, I hadn't turned 16 just yet. My dad and my mom took a vacation. They wanted to take a vacation because they hadn't done anything at all together. And I don't remember, I can't for the life of me remember if my brother and my sister were home with me or not. But they trusted me enough to run my dad's restaurant wow while they were away and again i wasn't 16 yet i didn't have a license obviously didn't have a car or anything like that so i would ride my bike for they were gone for about a week oh wow so i would ride my bike i'd get up super early in the morning because the restaurant opened at six uh I, i would ride my bike to the restaurant which was about it ended it was like a 35 minute bike ride so i'd get up super early i'd be up at like four o'clock in the morning get myself ready, whatever, get on my bike, ride to the restaurant so that I could unlock, open up. They get, wouldn't have somebody all, come give you a ride? Nope. Wow. Get all, get all the prep work done. No, I, I wanted to ride my bike. I want, you know, I said, no, I want to do this. Let me do it. And he let me. You That's know? awesome. Yeah, he trusted, he trusted me enough to do it. So, yeah, that was probably when I was younger, that was probably my proudest achievement was that I was able to run my dad's restaurant for a week by myself. He And he taught me everything before that obviously he trusted me enough to to do it but i mean i ran everything did the food order signed for stuff when it came in you know did inventory all that kind of stuff and ran breakfast cooked everything it i I did everything you know i mean i had help too obviously it wasn't just i'm not the only guy there there was waitresses obviously that helped with stuff and but yeah it was that was a, that was my proudest what did he say when he got back hey he said he was proud of me good thanks. job yeah good job i'm proud of you it's like oh thanks dad that's that's great yeah so that that was probably yeah when i was younger that was my i guess you could say it was my first real job and while you were saying that it reminded me because the job after babysitting i worked in a restaurant and then it reminded me i i did waitressing for a very short time yeah yeah so How'd just, you like that? I quit after three days. There you go. Yeah. No. It, it's not it was, easy. Well, no, that's, it's because I was disgusted by the wait staff. 
Oh, what? Yeah. The waitress training me would take fries off of people's plates, and then the salad dressing station, she'd dip the fries in the dressing and eat them. And she would do that. I was so grossed out. I'm like, I can't be here. That's messed up. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's nasty. Yeah, it was a restaurant in Lowell, but I won't say the name. Yeah, of we don't need to bury anybody. No. I'm sure she's not there anymore. Sure. But yeah, I was disgusted. Yeah. that that's I, I got to say, that's the one thing that I, I never witnessed anything like that at my dad's place, obviously. I mean, nobody, it was all people that he, that, that had been there for many years. All the waitresses were great. And, and again, it's my dad and, and myself are in the back. I didn't pull any of that shit. I didn't do anything stupid so like that. That's disgusting. Like people's food I would that's see going stuff. to their plate. And then after when food got returned, like, the, you know, you're bringing the dirty yeah. dishes over and she like. Pick food. food yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. It's so yeah, gross. I, that's, that's I, I was so repulsed. And there were issues with the schedule because I had another job. So it was a second job. Yeah. And I was like, I have to be out by this time to go to my other job. And then I was also going to school. Yeah. And they were trying to screw me with hours. So I was like, the combination. Mm-mm. Huh. Can't say I blame you there. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, did you ever witness anything? Disgu- well, there, that's pretty uh, disgusting. So uh, gross. I, I saw my dad a couple times, you know, food would fall. And he wouldn't pick it up and put it back on the plate. Like that's Mm-mm. that's just in, unfathomable to me. Like when you see, and it, it, isn't it, hasn't that been a thing too recently on social media? People showing like just gross stuff they do in restaurants or whatever, like just to try to go viral. But showing it, uh, that's why I, I don't like to eat out at all much, and we don't at no. all, especially in the, in the past. I'd, I'd say the past ten years, I haven't really gone out to eat much. I'm just not a fan. Uh, because again, just seeing some of this stuff, and again, obviously, not every restaurant does this, and the ones yeah. that we do see, they're, they're probably the the exception to the rule. But I think our issue is we have bad luck with most restaurants. We order something, and there's something wrong with our order, or it's just not good at all. There's usually just some kind of issue. Yeah, we haven't had good luck lately no. together. But yeah, so I just kind of gave up on going out to eat. We had a couple of places we used to like to go, and. <laughs> they, they went downhill pretty quick yeah. and in nothing's worse than inviting one of your dear friends out to like your favorite restaurant and then you get drinks and there's like a big old fruit fly in your drink you're yeah. like okay never coming here again yeah disgusting and, th- and that's how i am you know me mm-hmm. you you if I, I don't give you a second chance if you screw me over with customer service or bad service or a bad meal or anything i'm done i'm not coming back yeah that's just, i don't give a second chance like no i'm done all set mm-hmm. And I think another thing for me too that really opened my eyes, not just working in a kitchen, but obviously I went 10, 15 years before I, you know, (laughs) went back in a kitchen again. But in my previous job, I ended up going in the back of a lot of big restaurants, servicing different things in my previous job. And I saw how filthy some of these kitchens were and these were like in some big upscale type restaurants that i used to go to and i would come home and tell you no we're never eating there again it's disgusting Mm -hmm. it's disgusting and it just you know dirt on the floor just looks like the floor hasn't been mopped in weeks and just you know being in freezers and just seeing like just how gross and stuff just wasn't clean and just nasty, nasty stuff. I remember going into, it was a, a lady who was the manager of a, of a chain store that myself and my buddies would go to on our lunch break. 
and I was in her home and just seeing how nice lady, but not the cleanest person. And just thinking to myself, this is the person that is making my meal and my friend's meals when we go to eat on mm-hmm. our lunch break. And I remember just telling my buddies, hey, I'm not going to go today. Yeah. I'm Ugh. all set. I'm, I'm all, you know, and I slowly just, I stopped going to this place and it slowly start. I started to just, the more I saw, the more I went, you know what, if I'm not making my own food, I don't trust it anymore. No, that's just, that's I, just, I that's, how, that's my just, attitude It's just hard because I love going out to eat. I know you do, but, but I, I just, I've lost that love. I have, yeah. I don't, I don't care to anymore. When I was 15, I worked in a restaurant. It was called Windows Restaurant in Lowell, Mass. And the manager, Alice, loved Neil Diamond. I worked there as a hostess. My mom worked there as a bookkeeper and she mm-hmm. was the one who got me the job. And I would work weekend nights. I'd stand there, I'd see people. And there was, you know the pianos that play themselves? Yeah. It was playing Neil Diamond 98% of the time. That's awesome. <laughs> and it was weird because some nights I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to shoot myself in the skull. I'm so sick of Neil Diamond. And other nights I'm like, sweet Caroline. Like, okay, this is cool, you know. It was just, I guess, depending <laughs> on my mood, but some nights I'm just like, oh my God, kill me. But it was it was a cool job. It was called Windows because there were windows all around and you could look out to the Merrimack River. What a great what a great body <laughs> of water. Before it was to be as at. dirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other dirty water you in got, Massachusetts. You got to look out at the Merrimack River. Woo. <laughs> but I, I was a hostess and we had a system. Were there ever any dead bodies floating by in the Merrimack River? Not that I found. <laughs> not that I know of. That, that you found? Were you looking? <laughs> what? Well, we used to go jet skiing in the Merrimack River. I remember my dad would say, like, don't go in the water. Like, we'd oh be on it, but we wouldn't go in it. Wow. But again, this was like 90s before it got super dirty. It was just kind of starting to get dirty, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, Anyhow. Yeah. But... We had a system for how we did our tables. And this was a place, the kitchen was clean. Nobody messed around. I mean, people worked really hard. They had good cooks. The food was good. But we had a system in place. And I think because I was younger, again, people trying to take advantage. So every time someone came in, they gave their name. I'd write down the time that they gave their name. And the time I told them the estimated wait time would be. Okay. And you'd always have those people. You tell them it's about a 60-minute wait. They would come back five minutes later saying, I've been waiting over an hour. Really? And I look at them like, are you joking? <laughs> like, really? Yeah. They, they would try to like bullshit me and say that they've been waiting over an hour. And I, I look at my watch and I'd say, no, you arrived at 8.32. It's 8.37. And they just look at me like, no, that's not true. You wrote down the wrong time. And I'd be like, do you want to get a seat in an hour when your table's ready? Because that can still happen right now. Or you can leave. Like, I didn't give a shit. <laughs> I was 15. You. Good for you. I didn't care. Wow. I was really nice to people, but if they were going to give me crap. I don't think so. Yeah. Hell with that. But no, if they said, no, final wait. Because you'd have like the wife. They're like, I'm going to eat here. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, because they, they wanted to look out the window. And then I would use, people would tip me, and that was nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, always, it's always nice to get a little extra something. Yeah. It was yeah. nice. Yeah. I've always been big on that, tipping, especially when you get good service. I feel like you, you should. I don't. It's weird. 
I don't believe in tipping to the extent like you have to tip somebody. I feel like a tip should be because they've earned it. No, I, I, that, well, that's what I mean. I, I feel that way as well. Which goes into a whole yeah. other thing about it's not really fair that people have to live off their tips. But at the same time, yeah. if you suck at what you do, that's probably why you're not making money. But then there are people who just don't tip or they're bad tippers. Sure. But I don't think. I think tipping should be not mandatory, but you can do it if you want. No, I, I agree. It shouldn't be mandatory, but yeah, if you're getting good service, oh yeah, hell, hell yeah, you know, yeah, we'll take care of you. I, I, I always have, yeah, always, yeah, hundred percent. But if somebody is horrible or rotten, mm-hmm. no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you. I'll, I'll give you what I, I'll give you what I give you, but it's not gonna be much. No. It's not gonna be anything you're gonna go bragging about. Yeah, I'm. I, I, I'm not one of those that well they live off their tips. No, you know what? I'm going out to eat. If I'm going out to eat, it's because I'm going out. Not so much because I want to eat the food. It's because I want to get. It's the experience. I want to get out of my house. I want to go enjoy myself, mm-hmm. and have a night out. That's for me. Now, a lot of people they that's all they do is go out to eat, but not not for me. For me personally, when we go out to eat, which is very rare, mm-hmm. I, I'm expecting good service because it's something out of the ordinary for me, and I want it to be an experience. I'm not paying for the meal. I can make good food at home. Probably better food than I'm going to eat out at a restaurant. I remember when we first met, all you ate was rice and tuna. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's... Hey, and you worked. were like, I can make omelets. It worked for me. <laughs> it worked for me. Now I can't stand tuna because I ate so damn much of it when I was younger. <laughs> now I can't stand it at all. But yeah, no. Yeah. I, if you if you are a good server, and that is a hard job. That's not a job I could do. No, I've never hard. been a waiter. Well, actually, no. I take that back. I We'll get into that in a, in a second. But... I couldn't do that all I, the time. My, I, my brother was a server, and he did fantastic. He would make great tips. I tried to wait tables working at Windows. They'd be like, oh, there was a big party of like 15 people. I get a tray of everyone's water. And then the waitress like, can you just deliver the water? And I'm just like, okay, I've never delivered anything on a tray before. I didn't realize that there's a bit of balance to the trays. So anyone who works in the food industry who's a wait whose wait staff will laugh at this. I didn't know. So I'm putting the waters down and I'm smiling and being friendly. Very nice people. And I only have a couple left and I pick up one water and the tray just tips. Oops. On a gentleman. Oops. I felt so bad. Oh man. I felt I felt so horrible. And I was so embarrassed and uh, yeah, it was terrible. And they were so nice about (laughs) it. And granted, it was just water. Yeah. I felt so bad. And that was like, I'm never going to wait again. And that's why that job years later, I I was supposed to be a hostess. And they're like, oh, well, we need wait staff. I'm like, I can try. (laughs) But it's just, it's it's not in the cards for me. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember my brother coming home because he and I used to live together when he was waitering waiting waitering waiting tables waiting tables i guess whatever the way proper way to say it is and he would come home often and would be like i got a hundred dollar tip from a table tonight got a hundred dollar tip from a table i'm like what when i bartended one one table he's like yep one table he's like he was like dude i'm the man (laughs) (laughs) like yeah you are if you're getting hundred dollar tips from people great money bartending (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, not. And we'll, we'll get to that. I'm, I'm trying to go in order here. But what about you? Like what else? So you, you worked at a restaurant. Yeah, I worked at a restaurant. When I was saying I'd never been a waiter, I I, it, I remember, I I don't know if you call being a waiter, but 
a friend of mine, my best friend growing up, asked me if I would go with him to help him at a at his church. They were doing like some kind of a church function for it was I don't know priests and an archbishop or something like mm-hmm. that. It was a Catholic church, and he's like, "Yeah, they're having like a lobster dinner and." it's part of my CCD or something. I can't remember the specifics, but he's like, they're going to pay us 20 bucks a piece if we go. And all we have to do is just take the, we just have to take the lobster and the little tubs of butter to the tables and serve the priests and then just take the plates back when they're done. I'm like, all right, seems easy enough. And and then afterwards we were going to go and hang out at his house or whatever. I was like, all right, yeah, it seems easy enough. So we got a ride over, you know, his mom gave us a ride there, dropped us off. And that was the most uncomfortable four to five hours I'm of sitting my here life. thinking, why did the priests want young boys delivering their food? Why couldn't they just... Uh. I, Whatever. I don't know. But yeah, that was the most uncomfortable time I've ever had. Just... It wasn't hard. The the, the actual labor of it, if you will, the labor and The quotes, work itself. The work itself. Just taking plates and putting them in front of, of, of somebody and saying, here you go, you didn't enjoy spill your any meal. Lobster I didn't, nope, didn't spill any lobster, nice. didn't spill any hot butter, but it was really, really uncomfortable because you just had these old men leering at us, making comments. It was very uncomfortable, very Ew. uncomfortable. So when I, when I got older and realized what was happening and hearing about all the story, I mean, it's no secret the the scandals that have plagued the Catholic Church, yeah, it, it was pretty uncomfortable. Fortunately for me, that all I got was the looks and the comments. Nobody touched me. Nobody grabbed at me. Nothing like what that. What kind of comments? But it's just I don't really want to get into it. But just you know, oh, you're a good-looking young man. You know, stuff like that. It was, it was really uncomfortable. And and I think I was like 12 or 13 at the time. You know, and my friend was my age. And yeah, we were both just getting the comments and and the looks. It was really, I still remember one guy in particular, one priest or whatever he was. He, you know, he had the collar. What I, I, I presume he was a priest. I don't know. But was just like kind of leering at me and had this big smile on his face and was with big wide eyes just eyeing me up and down as I was giving him his food. And I was like, oh, here you go, sir. Enjoy your meal. And, and him just be like, oh, I will. It was just w- really creepy. Yeah, just it was it was it was not a it was very uncomfortable very uncomfortable think people realize they're being creepy when they're being creepy i don't know i wonder yeah i don't know i don't know like do you realize but you're being was, a wicked creep right now because i'm sure some people do because there are people who do it on purpose but some people it's like maybe, you wonder like i don't do you know realize i come i want to say I, I i i don't know i have no idea i i, I would imagine probably not because he was very openly Ew. being yeah it was just i'm sorry you went through that no it was it was just it was it was it was an experience not a good one but it Live was definitely learn. an experience yeah never mm. never never helped my friend when he asked me to go oh, help God, him no. again uh-uh. but yeah it was pretty yeah it was pretty uncomfortable but anyhow yeah that so so i guess that maybe that counts as being a server one time and i never and never again one and done one and done never again uh-uh never put myself in that position <laughs> again but yeah, never mo- so thankful to be part of the Greek Orthodox Church and not yeah. the Catholic Church. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I have a lot of respect for people that can do that kind of yeah. a job. That can deal with people that obviously not everybody's nice, not everybody's yes. friendly. Uh, you got a lot of people that are entitled. I would imagine nowadays would be even worse. I'm always but, super nice when we oh, go I, out to oh, eat. Oh, I am I'm too. So polite, except too. one time. 
that that one time I annihilated that server. Which, which one was this? At TGI Fridays. It was awful. It, it, oh, it was so bad. He screwed up so bad, and I was pregnant. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, you I were, told him he should seriously consider another line of work. Yeah, you were pretty. You were pretty rough. I, I was, was trying I to was, be funny. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah, but you were rough. You were. I remember apologizing. Like you ended up going out to the car, and I stayed behind and like talked to him. I said, "Hey, man, I'm really sorry. She's pregnant. She's moody." Really sorry about it that. It wasn't the pregnancy. It, it was this horrible I, service. And I was, was trying to he be was, funny. I was trying was, to make you pop. He he was bad, but you oh that kid, he felt bad. I, I would he no, was new, no. wasn't he? He he wasn't it, it wasn't about him being bad. It was the fact that he kept screwing up and then he'd screw up and apologize, but screw up again on the same thing so it's like you're not even trying and that, that's what pissed me off it's like i get if you're trying i'm gonna be nice but the fact that you don't give a shit this is just a job and you're saying you're sorry he didn't care because he would have tried he wasn't trying and right, that's right. why i was like yeah whatever all right fair enough i felt i felt bad i didn't but and yeah. i'm a very empathetic person but i could feel he didn't give a shit all right fair enough it was a long time ago, so what would that? That was what five years ago. I don't know. Yeah, it was. It had. Well, it was it, hilarious. It, it, yes, it, but because I'm always so nice. Yeah, you're always. That's why I felt super uncomfable because I'm like, what's going on here? Like, but anyway, we'll, we'll move on from that anyway, one. Tell Any, us another anyhow. job. Another job. Well, I I did the the grocery store thing. I I worked as a I bagged groceries. We both worked at the supermarket. I bagged groceries. Yeah. Did you bag groceries? Oh, yes, I was a cashier, I was but a cashier they would too. have me bag sometimes or go get the shopping carts. Yeah, I started off bagging groceries and shagging carts, mm-hmm. doing that whole thing. And How I remember How old were you? I, I had to you had to be 16. Okay, cuz so yeah. I think I just turned 16 or or I think they I think you were allowed to interview when you were when you were still 15. As long as you were going to be 16 soon mm-hmm. or whatever. And then, like, I remember, like, right when I turned 16, they gave me the job. And I started shagging carts outside. I'm just realizing that we had basically the same job at the same age. Granted, yeah. it was a few years apart. But, yeah, because yeah, I got my license in a car. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I went there. I had to go because I was working in Pelham, New Hampshire. I had to get a work permit to work oh, in New Hampshire. Okay. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, I, I did that for... Jeez, four or five months and then became a cashier. And I remember loving the shagging the carriages because that's when I had gotten into working out and exercising. It was right around probably 13, 14. So I've been working out and exercising for a little bit. But I used to love, now I think they make it so that you can't push more than five or six or something like that. They they, They actually came up with this rule at the store I worked at while myself and two of my buddies where we, we, we used to have competitions. We used to see how who could push the most carriages. And I think I pushed like 42 that's was like awesome. my record. I used to want to try to It's stupid like, that I still remember that, but like that's how proud of it I, I was remember, at the time. Yeah, it just like, always stayed, in my, stayed with me. It wasn't often they'd have girls go out and push carriages, but usually if it was a nice day or something. And I used to be like, okay, I'm not just going to do, you see the girls, they do like three or four. And then go get some more. I was like, no, I want to be like the guys. Like, I'm, yeah. you know, I can yeah. do this too. And I'd like get <laughs> as many as I can. I almost hit a car one day. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but I didn't. We, and we, yeah, we, we used to line them up. And we would just, like I said, we would just see who could push the most. And I, I, there's a funny story I'll tell you off air about about that. But uh, it's, it's, it involves somebody. I don't want to say who they are on, on the uh-huh. air. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And then, 
I can't remember if somebody got hurt or what happened, but ooh, I got a, kind of a funny story that just popped in my head about having to do with that. So I I still didn't have my license at the time. I didn't have a car or anything, so I would have to either walk or ride my or ride my bike to work. I got a pepper spray because I would have to walk a lot at night. So I can't remember if my mom got it or my dad got it for me. Somebody, One of my parents got me a thing of pepper spray just to have in case of anything. Nothing ever happened to me or anything like that. But it was you know, a little pepper spray thing to keep it in my pocket just in case. And I remember working. It was, it was winter time, so it was really cold out, and, and it was snowing. It wasn't like horrible, but it was snowing. Yeah. And the ground was all slushy and everything. And I remember pushing the carriage, uh, pushing a, a row of carriages. And I remember just this burning in my leg. I'm like, did I pop up did I pull a muscle like what's going on my legs burning really bad and I'm, it, it was I don't know probably two hours I went with this burning sensation in my leg and I I, I couldn't check what it was yeah. but I'm like there's something wrong with my leg ah it hurts really bad it's really burning oh it's oh, killing me oh I know where me. you're getting with this yeah it's oh it's killing me and finally it was time for my break so I could go take a break and go use the restroom and, and check and see and I went in the stall and I pulled down my pants and I saw somehow the pepper spray had leaked oh. and it got onto my skin and I had this huge red welt and it was blistering on my on my oh thigh my and gosh. I'm just like oh what do I do what do I do what do I do I didn't know what to do so I just tried to wash it off as best I could with some paper towels get like towels, a tub of milk you know, some, and pour it on your I, leg I didn't know that at the time oh. uh, so I'm using wet paper towels trying to you know wet it and, and of course my pants are now soaking wet because I'm using wet paper towels, trying to rinse all this stuff off. Trying I would have gone trying home. To, trying to wipe my leg off. And then, no, I ended up finishing my shift, going back up. My leg was killing me. It hurt for, obviously, you know, a week or two and finally healed up. But, oh, that sucked oh. so bad. But, yeah, that story just popped in my head as we we're talking about pushing well, carriages. Um, again, another job that I had. I worked at a vet hospital, and there was an emergency part. And we had a dog that was sprayed by pepper spray. Jeez. And I just remember because it was on the animal and we're working on this animal and I remember we're all like coughing because it gets in your throat yeah and we're <clears throat> and like our eyes are irritated yeah and I I thought I was having an allergic reaction to the dog because I'm allergic to some cats and I thought maybe I'm having a reaction to this dog and I'm like what the hell's wrong with me like and I was like coughing and then like a few minutes go by and a police officer comes in he's like oh, I had to spray him with my pepper spray and we we're like Oh, that's why. Okay. I'm not allergic. All right. We should wash our hands after. Huh. Yeah. Yikes. So it can be irritating. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that stuff okay. sucks. That stuff sucks. But that was the end of me carrying pepper spray. Never oh. didn't carry it after that. I was like, no, I'm done with this. I don't, I don't need it that bad. Yeah, more of a knives and brass knuckle uh, kind of gal. Right. <laughs> a- after, after that, I became a cashier. So I was a cashier for a while, and then I got moved over to the produce department that was the best job in the grocery store that job was awesome putting out fresh produce and it was awesome because you could just like mess around and goof off and nobody cared because we had our own back room and our own cooler and where everything was and uh, it was that was the funnest job i ever had it was so fun as a kid, you know. Yeah, no, a, I get the, it. It was a blast. I liked working at the supermarket. The only reason I quit was because the manager, I was still in high school. And I was in chorus and show choir. And we had, like, with them and the band, there were mandatory performances that we would do yeah. um, certain parts of the year. And it was basically like, 
everyone who worked there from my school was were in chorus show choir band all that and so a bunch of us needed the same night off for a school performance it was mandatory and the manager's like well I can't give everyone the night off and I look at him and I'm like but this is school I have to go and he's like well I have nobody to work I was like okay but I can't come in I have to go to this and he just gave me the well I, you can't because I don't have any work I go, okay I quit Thank you. Thank you for everything. I'm set. And How I old were you? I was 17. All right. Nice. Yeah. Oh, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. I am I put up with a lot of shit. And I don't know where my line is, but I know when it's been crossed. And I felt that cross my line. I don't know. All I do know is that I've been working two weeks without a break. And you promised me you'd hire more help. Janine, someone with your qualifications would have no trouble finding a top flight job in either the food service or housekeeping industries. You gonna answer that? Quit better jobs than this. Ghostbusters, what do you want? All right. Yeah, so I quit. There you go. Did you ever mess around on the intercoms? No. Yeah, we used to do that all the time. I just love being able to scan the barcodes. I thought that was the neatest thing. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Yeah, we we used to, because you can't leave if you're closing at, at night or you're closing your department because I think the store would stay open until like 11, but produce would close at 9, if I remember right. And you'd have to page the closing manager to come over and make sure everything was all set before you leave. You know, you just want to make sure there's enough bananas out and whatever, yeah. you know, and make sure your doors are locked, all that kind of stuff. So he, I remember the guy's name. I'm not going to say it, but I would always page him with with some crazy descriptive adjectives so it'd be like i'll we'll say his name just for for the purposes of this example his name was john smith not his real name but john smith i I would get on the mic and i'd say will the debonair handsome extraordinary john smith please report to the produce department and then and then you know he'd come to the produce department like you gotta stop that (laughs) you gotta stop that i'm like what (laughs) so i just do you know silly stuff like that I had fun. Nice. It was a good time. Yeah. It was a good job. I enjoyed it. Did I ever tell you I was a legal secretary? No. Yeah. <laughs> what? I, I worked at a law firm. No. You never told me that. Oh, yeah. I When I was out of high school, it was the summer before I went to college, yeah. and uh, my dad's friend had a law firm, and he was looking for a secretary, and so he hired me to be a legal secretary. Huh. Yeah, so I did like dictation and typed up legal forms and there was a lot of like car accidents that they did and um So what was he like a personal injury lawyer or yeah, something? Yeah, but like that? they did other stuff in the offices too. Um his brother handled like property and businesses. Hmm. So yeah, there was and they handled other things. It wasn't just personal injury, but that's what they did the most of. Okay. But we would have to um like type up different documents and stuff and interesting no you yeah. never told me that yeah wow. it, it was pretty cool and it was funny because the attorney used to be a police officer and my dad was friends with him and he was known for having a temper and i remember like caring about like if he got mad like you don't want to piss him off like jack nicholson crazy kind of like temper like really yes you love saying like go ahead Carry on. 
and he yeah so I, I used to get nervous because I just and the other his other secretary very sweet woman she talked about like oh yeah he's in a mood today just be careful <laughs> and I was just so nervous I didn't want to make him mad I didn't I didn't want to get yelled at and especially because this is my dad's friend, I have to do a really good yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, you get that added pressure, of yeah. course. Yeah, but no, he was always great. And when he nice. when he did kind of go off, it wasn't at us, but it was kind of funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, look at you, you're pissed. Tremendous. Because I'm not the one getting yelled at. So tremendous. Found the humor, but yeah, it was a really cool job. How long were you there for? I was there for the summer. Just, and so yeah. was it less understood when you took the job that it was just for the summer? Yes. Okay. And okay. because my school schedule, I was going to school in Boston starting mm-hmm. in the fall. I was still 17 when I started college. But, yeah. Uh, I, I went, was too. No kidding. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I was still 17. Yeah. So I ended up going to school and just the, the schedule wouldn't work because I would get up at like the crack acid dawn. And I'd have to drive to the train station in Lowell and take the train to Boston. And then I'd have to take the T to the green line to get to my walk to my school. And then I'd be in my classes all day and then come home and it would be dark. Fun times. Yeah. But then I got a job at Macy's. What did you do at Macy's? I worked in the kids department, which is great because I had purple bangs. I had blonde hair and purple bangs. So, yeah. and, And the kids loved it. But I I remember that was the time when I turned 18. I got my tongue pierced. Okay. And it gave me the worst lisp. It was so bad because when you get your tongue pierced, they put a longer barbell in your mouth in case your tongue swells at all. And my tongue didn't really swell, but I had this long barbell. So when people come, you ask if they have their Macy's charge. So I just be like, hi, welcome to Macy's. Do you have your Macy's charge? Because <laughs> it would give me this awful list. I felt like Cindy Brady. It was so bad. Wow. <laughs> but I got to cover in lingerie once in a while. And yeah, but no, it was, it was cool. But I remember they were trying to tell me that I shouldn't have purple hair. And when I... Hi, I got hired. I checked the rules and it said nothing about hair color. And I said, well, your employee handbook doesn't say anything about hair color. So until that happens, my hair is going to be purple unless I decide to change it a different color. Always a rebel. I am. Yep. Always a rebel. I am. Yeah. Huh. Anything else? Any other exciting, awesome, weird well, jobs? While I was working at Macy's, I worked yeah. at an ice cream stand and that was the... Wait. Qu- at the same time? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So I was going to school and I was yeah. working at Macy's and then I'd also work at an ice cream stand. Okay. It was the coolest job in the world. I ate so much ice cream. I bet. Oh, so good. My favorite was mint Oreo with hot fudge and strawberries. All right. So good. I, I can get down with the hot fudge. It's mm. a good stuff right there. It, it was just so cool. For the most part, people were cool, but then you get the people really grumpy or if you didn't have the exact thing they wanted. So we would make fraps and we'd have lime rickies and, you know, if they let's say they wanted a root beer float. It's like, well, we don't have root beer. And they get mad. It's like, but we don't have it. Like it would be something that like we didn't have. It wasn't on the menu and they'd get upset because we didn't have it. But and we had a lot of stuff there. But yeah, it was, it was a really cool job. I, granted, it was not air conditioned. It was like this shack of a building. But it probably, was really probably cool. too small for an air conditioner. 
Probably. But you have the heat from the coolers with the ice cream in it, so it made it uh, hotter. Gotcha. Yeah. But it was awesome. Oh, nice. I worked in a in a shop for like a week and a half, and I cannot for the life of me remember the name of the place. But they made little tiny like transistor circuits, and I had to put together these little... And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was terrible. It was awful. I remember just, I just quit after a week. Like Aww. this, this, and it was so boring. It was so boring. They didn't allow you to bring in. At the time, it it was a Walkman or a Discman. I had a Discman to listen to music. They, you weren't allowed to wear headphones. They didn't allow you to listen to music. You had to just sit at this desk and put together these little transistor circuits and it was so boring so boring yeah that was i couldn't imagine doing that as a full-time job i had it was a part-time job i was there maybe four hours a day five days a week and it was so boring and and like i said i only lasted like a week and i I quit like i can't do this there's no way it's just there's no way Uh uh-uh i'm gonna lose my mind and you couldn't talk to people because everybody's too busy concentrating to make sure they're putting together their things right. And wow. yeah, that job was brutal, mm. terrible. That's a good thing about jobs. There's a lot of them, different types of jobs, so you can fit different things. And that just wasn't for you. No, that was uh-uh. not for me. No. And I consider myself a hard worker. And, and if, I, if I take on a task, I try to do it to the best of my ability. That was not for me. No way. One, one of the things looking back to with these jobs, because the next one I worked at after Macy's was definitely one where I wish I didn't, in a sense, sacrifice as much. Like, there's a saying I've seen, don't kill yourself for a place that will replace you the day you die. It's something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But I, you break your back for these places. You essentially kill yourself. And then you realize, like, it wasn't really worth it. Like, I worked at Hot Topic. I was an assistant manager. Ooh. Yeah. Is that place still around, Hot Topic? Yeah, I think so. Is that still a thing? Okay. I've never, I don't go to the mall, so I don't know. Yeah. I was working at Macy's, and I was like, okay, because that place was pissing me off. And I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'll go to Hot Topic. That place seems cool. I can dye my hair. I can have purple hair i can have purple (laughs) hair and piercings and they won't judge me and it was a very weird place there were i got a stalker two stalkers working there yeah i had to be escorted to my car stalker yeah wow i had to be escorted to my car at night check you out dude would be waiting out for me it was really creepy i would have what did he say to you he, it's not like he'd say anything. He would just come up and like stand there and stare at me. And then like he asked me out and I said, no, I had a boyfriend. And he just would like stand in the store and just watch me while I worked. And it got really creepy. And I'd be like, are you going to buy nope, anything? Nobody, you should leave. Nobody, yeah, I was going to say, anybody tell him to leave? Well, yeah, other employees, some of the guys would come over and say something. But there was like one... He didn't last as long. He kind of hung out for a little bit and was annoying. But there was one who was just really creepy. And I remember at nighttime, we would have to have security escort me 
to my car because he would be hanging around. They'd tell him to leave and then he'd like be hanging out. We would leave in this kind of, you know, in malls, how they have like the double doors that patrons aren't really supposed to go through. Yeah. It was like that kind where you could get to an exit. Yeah. Like we'd be going through there and one night he was hanging out in there and yeah, it was creepy. But he never did anything. No, obviously. it was just, it was really uncomfortable. It was really creepy. I could take care of myself, but I didn't want to be in a situation where I'd have to beat the shit out of somebody. Fair enough. It's easier to say, hey, security, can you walk me to my car? Yeah. But wow. yeah, but working there, I I would go there sick. I I remember I was so sick. I think I had the flu or something, but I I felt so bad making somebody else come in that I went in sick. Wow. And my brother was home on leave from the Marines with his friends and he was going out to a club in Boston. They wanted me to go and I, I had to work. And me being me didn't want to call out because that meant that was be inconveniencing somebody else. Right. And I missed it and stuff happened that night. I wish I was there. And it, it just kind of sucked because it turned out like, they screw you. Oh, we're going to give you a higher position. We're going to give you more pay. And they don't. They just dragged you along. And It's big corporations for it, you. Yeah, exactly. So you you learn after, like, man, I wish I didn't. They, I was working um, as part of a radio station at my school, a radio show. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, oh, we need you to come in. And I'd be like, I can't. I have a school thing. I DJ for the radio station. And well, we need you. It's like, this is school. Like I have to do this. Right. Yeah. It kind of quickly realized that it wasn't worth it. Yeah. It's, it's tough sometimes finding that balance when you're trying to juggle so many different things, school work. I remember after, or or, I'm sorry, uh, during my working full time in the produce department at the grocery store, because I I eventually went to full time. I got another part-time job working at the liquor store, the New Hampshire State Liquor Store, and then also working at GNC right next door to the liquor store because I was trying to save money for to get a car and to save up to go to wrestling school so I could train to become a pro wrestler. So I was juggling three jobs. I know. When you told me, I thought that was so so cool. And then I decided because I was handling that, because they were all really cool. I mean, I could work. I think it would be like six to three or four, whatever the time was at the grocery store mm-hmm. during the day. And then in the evening, everything was all in the same plaza. So I would work two or three nights a week at the liquor store. And then the other nights I would work at GNC. And they were all really cool about working around whatever the availability was. I could get hours. So it was great. And then... I was juggling that for a while and then I decided I could get another job to get money even faster and I got a part-time job working at UPS overnight and that only lasted like two weeks because I was just UPS burned out. UPS is a hard job too. Oh, it's a physical job, but I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. Couldn't get any sleep. Yeah, I, I ended up dropping the overnight UPS gig, but for a time there I had four jobs I was working, wow. but it was only for two weeks. But <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's... It's a testament to what you can do if you are dedicated and you have mm-hmm. a work ethic. And I think both of us were lucky that we were able to be raised by parents that gave us, not so much gave us the opportunity, but 
and I don't want to say forced us into working early, but I don't know if I don't know how to say it properly, but I guess gave us the the avenue to travel down. You know, they gave us the my dad and my mom bought a restaurant. Yeah. They gave me they they had me work there. And and it was kind of one of those things where I wanted to help. So I think that environment was fostered properly because mm-hmm. it didn't it, they weren't telling me now go play be a kid. They would say, "Okay, come, I'll show you how to do it." And then they would encourage it. And I think same thing with with you yeah. and your family. You got to work in a we, video store. We were always raised, you know, you work hard, you're thankful for what yeah. you have. Like be glad you have a job. If you don't like it, you still go in and do your best. Do your best until yeah. you so find until something, you something else. Or, else. Or, yeah, of yeah. course. So I think, yeah, we were both very fortunate that early on we had that with our families because your parents were doing, you know, got their own business. Mm -hmm. My parents got their own business and we were fortunate enough to be able to see how hard they worked and then in turn got to feel like we were helping. And early on, I mean, yeah, you're just getting videotapes and I'm just buttering toast or washing dishes or whatever it was, but Eventually, you you learn skills here and there. But and I you think learn, it's, you yeah, learn it's, work ethic, and it's good to be given that responsibility yeah. to have that trust that okay, you can do this. Yeah, and I think I want to instill that in our children, yeah. and we tried by doing different things daily with them. But I think that's just something that's missing nowadays, and it's really too bad because. Now you have a lot of people that just have a sense of entitlement and they don't want to do anything for it. My my last job, I dealt with that so much as a manager of a doctor's office and so many people, they wanted to get paid lots of money and they didn't want to do anything. And yeah. that's why I got out of management because I got in the vet hospital I managed before that. Just everybody wants to get paid a shit ton of money and they don't want to work. And I'm okay. Yeah. I don't mean everybody because we had some really great hard workers. Right. Yeah. But the majority of people that would come in, even just interview, they'd be asking for my salary. It's like your job pays fourteen dollars an hour. Yeah. But they they didn't want to do work and they didn't want to do the hours. They didn't want to be inconvenienced in any way. And and that makes it really difficult. And I feel like I get along a lot better with people from like my generation and older because they get that work ethic. Yeah. It's too bad that it's the, the work ethic is not instilled as much in today's society and culture. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the cause of that is. And I'm I, sure there's a million different yeah. reasons, but and I'm not trying it's, to it's like dump on younger people. No, and, there's tons no, of hard work. Cause there's kids a, out a there. lot of great working hard of people. Course. But again, being in a position of having to hire people and seeing the people who apply and interview yeah you just see a lot compared to years before yeah mm-hmm. well it's sad hopefully that turns around with the yeah. next generation and even this so. generation hopefully they start to turn it around but i tell you what this has been an interesting I conversation i didn't even get through all my jobs i we could come back and do something like I this again we're gonna have i to think come back I and uh we'll go through the rest of mine Sure, and I've got a couple more too. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a pretty fun conversation. I I didn't know an, about a couple of these, uh-huh. <laughs> so so this was this was interesting. So thank you for sharing. Yes, and thank you, and, and, and thank you all thanks. for listening. Yes, thank you everybody for listening. But we're gonna we're gonna call it uh, we're gonna call it a show now, and we'll come back. We'll we'll revisit this again we soon, will. I'm sure. But for now, let's uh. Let everybody know where they can reach us if they'd like to 
Give us some feedback. Say hello. Tell us how great we are. Tell us about some of the best or worst jobs you've ever had. Yeah. Or those, weirdest jobs. Yeah. See, that's the thing right there. Weird jobs. Yeah. yeah if you do get, you do if, something weird? Not a lot of people know about Do you currently do something weird or have you ever done something weird as a job? And, and by weird, we mean something that's unconventional, that's not really mainstream. Yeah. Not bad. Like, it doesn't mean bad. Just, yeah. If you were like a hitman or a contract Ooh. killer or something like that. Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> uh but anyway, let me know if you're hiring. Jeez, <laughs> oh, I'm editing that out. Oh. So anyway, uh, re- you can reach us at at Homewrecker Pod on Twitter, on Instagram, Homewrecker Podcast. Our website is www.homewreckerpodcast.com. And of course, tell a friend if you like what you hear. Please. We really love to grow the show. We love doing this every week for you, and we appreciate our audience so much. So thank you again for listening, and until next time, I am the Golden Greek Alexarion, and I've been joined by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, amazing, vivacious, bubbly, did I say lovely? I think so. Amazing trophy wife, Monique. And you've been listening to the Homewrecker Podcast on the Wiretap Radio Network. Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. (laughs) Good one. Oh, that's terrific.